This is Terry Crosby. Andy Steiger. Steve Kim. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Welcome back, listeners, again. This week, we are doing two podcasts, and we'll just call this one the bonus. You were going to call it the bonus podcast? The bonus podcast. Sure, why not? I, uh, it saddens me greatly that I wasn't able to be a part of the Joker podcast. Yes, you did want to be part of that. I did, I did. Sometimes, sometimes I do want to be on the show, Terry. You were, you were traveling, <laughs> yeah, traveling far away. Steve Kim was sick, and I was in uh, Scotland doing PhD stuff, and then uh, decided to take a trip over to Ireland. With a bunch with, of people. Yeah, with a bunch of people. We had uh, 10 young adults. Oh, well, that was actually my wife and then eight young adults that joined us, and we caravanned through Ireland and had an absolute blast. Nice. You had a really fascinating experience there that you posted about on Facebook because you had a chance to kind of go to the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Is that correct? Can you tell us more? Yeah, I did. That was that was a fascinating experience going to Belfast and learning about the history. You know, one of the things that really surprised me about Ireland is a, it's beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's not full mm-hmm. of a bunch of drunk fighting Irish. <laughs> P.S. Mm-hmm. You know, lovely people, beautiful country. Absolutely fell in love with Ireland. Tons of rainbows, by the way. It's something about the climate. It's oh, it's, it's okay. real. Like there are just a ton of rainbow because it just rains hard and then the sun will come out right away. Yeah. At any rate, the most beautiful rainbows I've ever seen. At any rate, didn't meet any leprechauns or, you know, but I did have some Lucky Charm cereal, which was fantastic. <laughs> Life but, is complete. <clears throat> Life is complete. But th- no, honestly though, in, in Belfast, one of the experiences that I had, and this was, you know, when it comes to apologetics, it doesn't get any more real than this. I took a, three-hour tour with my my wife and I. There's just a handful of us. And we walked down the, the wall, you know, that separates the two sides. And we walked with, you know, an, for an hour and a half down one side of the wall with, with a guy who had done time in prison for his part in the violence. And then we went to the other side of the wall. And then we walked with another guy who had done time in prison for his part in the violence. And he gave us his side of the story. Hmm. So for three hours, we walked and listened and there's something to be said, you know, that, that's a sermon in of itself, isn't it, guys? Just the importance of being willing to just walk and listen and to, yeah. to get both sides of a story. Mm. Now, there's so much that I could talk about, but the thing that I found so fascinating is that as I came to the tour, both sides said, listen, we're going to give you our perspective. But as you come, you need to realize many of you come with your own perspective on what took place. And there's a many of you, for some reason, you come with this idea that this is a religious fight between Protestants and Catholics. And both sides said, that's absolute nonsense. And as I listened, I was like, yeah, that is absolute nonsense. And I, I'm one of those people, like, that's what I came with. I'd always heard. Yeah, that's what I always heard, too. Oh, yeah, that this is often used against Christians going, look at, you know, the violence amongst Christians. At any rate, what they explained was that it was just a fight, plain and simple, over whether or not Ireland should be a part of the British Commonwealth. Not a religious fight at all. Now, the, where things get confused for some people is they've chosen to use terms such as Protestant and Catholic to identify a people group such that Protestants represent those who came from England, 
Catholics represents those who are native Irish. They do not use those terms religiously. In fact, one of the Mm. guides told us, listen, I'll identify as a Protestant. He's like, but I've only been to church once. I'm not thinking of that term as a religious term. They don't don't use it in that sense. They use it as an identity. In a similar way, a lot of Jewish people, they call themselves Jewish uh, as a matter of simply a cultural marker rather than a religious marker. That's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. That does not mean that they are practicing or believe it in mm-hmm. any shape mm-hmm. or form. Uh, and, and so you get this same idea there. And it just was, once again, a reminder to me of how important it is to not take everything you hear as true. Take the moment to just to look into it and be willing to listen, and you'll be surprised by what you hear. And Thankfully, peace has come to that area. You know, they've only been able to do this tour for the last 10 years, or you've only, it's only, I think they haven't been doing it that long, but it's only been safe to be in that area for the last 10 years, you know. Peace is coming to that area. Being in Europe right now is an interesting place. You know, we're going to be talking about politics today, and we're going to be talking about voting. And I got to tell you, being over there and hearing what's going on with Brexit right now, talk about a divided Europe. We get a very slanted news out here about what's going on in Mm. Europe and what's going on with Brexit. Uh, But the people that we talk to... Uh, on the streets, there's many that were for Brexit, quite happy and upset that their governments haven't implemented it yet. But one of the things that might just be interesting for our listeners to think about before we move on is, you know, one of the challenges going on in the European Union is that decisions that are being made by other countries are affecting your country, which is one of the things that's the, the boiling point behind Brexit. And one of the things that really came out of it was, especially with the British, and you have to understand that Belfast is a is a part of the Commonwealth. Uh, so it's part of the UK. At any rate, when you have a country like Germany opening up its borders to millions of refugees, that doesn't necessarily reflect the way other countries feel about how loose you keep your, your borders. Then when you've got no borders, once they get into any one of those countries and they can go anywhere, you could understand the frustration that mm. people like the, the Brits feel about what's happening with those regards. So it was interesting being there, not saying much, Mm. but just listening and hearing their own frustrations. Again, just how important it is just to be willing to listen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into some uh, voting and politics today. In Canada, this coming Monday, October 21st, we have a federal election happening. And we just Mm want to talk about some issues that we might want to be aware of with regards uh, to the election and as Christians uh, becoming... uh, you know, aware and concerned about, and and there's some concern in some of these issues, in these uh, topics that we'll discuss today. But we are not encouraging you which party to vote for. And that's an important thing to say, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's part of the problem. Yeah. Is people being told what they, what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Or, you know, what they can and can't do. And th- as we're going to get into things today. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to understand that we want to, we want to talk about the bigger issues about how, what should be guiding the way that we vote. Right. Oh, and also I think it's probably important just to state, and we've said this before, uh, Steve's made a, a point of talking about this in the past, that whenever we talk about politics, so it's important to understand that we're not a partisan organization, uh, and so we're not advocating for a specific group. Right. Interesting tidbit for this election. We have a record number of parties that you can vote for. You guys want to guess how many we, we have in Canada? I have no idea. You would have conservatives, liberals, green... People's Party of Canada, uh, Bloc Québécois, 
New Democratic Party. So there are six. And then I would assume that there are other smaller parties. I don't know if we have any candidates from the Pirate Party. But uh, <laughs> Steve, I'm a part. I'm a part of the pirate party. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did pretty good, but there's 21 parties we can vote for. Wow! In this election, well, but you know, there's some. <laughs> are there some ones good that, ones in there? I have a well, feeling you're going to tell me about a few. We have the Animal Protection Party of Canada. We have the Canada's Fourth mm. Front. Never heard of that before. We have, like, the Marijuana Party, of course, the Marxist-Leninist Party of Canada, um, the party, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Rhinoceros Party. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about them. That's, I just can't help but giggle. I think this one must be a new one, Stop Climate Change, I'm sure. The United Party of Canada, Veterans Coalition Party of Canada. We have a host. It's a party, buddy. <laughs> it's a party in Canada on Monday. On Monday. All wow. right. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, hey, as as we jump into things here, I just wanted to, I was one of the people that brought this up and said, hey, guys, we, we really should talk about the importance of voting, especially with what's going on in our culture today. And when this first really was an idea that I began to think more about, it was a couple of years ago, I was at the Human Rights Museum in, in Canada. It's in uh, Winnipeg. Uh, an, an amazing facility. I think that... They paid like something like half a billion dollars to build this thing. And I had the privilege to tour it with the president and one of his uh, assistants. Great guys. And they, you know, they walked me through this museum knowing, uh, you know, it's a part of the work that we've been doing with the Human Project and stuff like that. And, and it was interesting to me as, as they were walking me through all these exhibits and talking to me about it. You know, they brought me to one exhibit in particular, and it was a small one uh, on a wall. And they said, listen, Andy, this is our favorite exhibit. And both, both of these guys have a religious background. But they said, this is our favorite exhibit. And what it was, was an, it was an exhibit of a Catholic priest who was standing up to Hitler and the Nazi regime. And, and it was a powerful, but small, which surprised me with, how, with the, just, you know, just being a small thing that this was their favorite of everything in this, in this museum. And what it was, was that every time this priest stood up against the Nazis, they would take a priest and they would behead them. And he was too powerful for them to get to him right away. So instead, that's the way that they would attack him, is by attacking other priests. And, and if you think about that, I mean, you could only imagine what that priest would feel knowing that every time he stood up, it was costing people's lives, brothers in the faith. Mm-hmm. You know, they were losing their life for it. And they asked him, you know, why do you do this? And, and what he said was just powerful. He just said, listen, I know that right now I have a voice and one day I'm not going to. And sure enough, he was killed hmm. eventually. But as long as I have a voice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my voice heard. And I think that's powerful. Yeah. I think it's something that we need to think about. We have a voice, mm-hmm. you know? We have a vote, whether or not you're listening today from Canada or the United States or, or Australia Wherever you are, you, I mean, you have, you have a vote and you have, you have a voice and, and how important it is to make your voice heard. And I think that there's a lot of us in the Christian faith that have really grown silent and have been afraid to make our voice heard. And I think sometimes we're worried about whatever the ramification, ramifications are going to be to us or what's going to be said of us on social media, perhaps, or what's going to be said about our, our family or children or whatever that might be. 
again, just a, how important it is you have a voice uh, and to make that voice heard. Yeah, and I think part of it is that some of us feel a little jaded um, because let's say, you know, I want to vote for a particular party that may not be very well known, hypothetically, right? Like the rhinoceros party. <laughs> <laughs> so so then somebody voting for, say, a rhinoceros party might think, gosh, like, does my vote mean anything? And I think here it's really important to distinguish a couple of different things. But I think we need to ask the question, what is the purpose of voting? If your purpose of voting is to bring about your intended effect, yeah, sure, you might think that your vote is almost a waste, but insofar as voting is an act of making your voice heard, if you think of it that way, it doesn't matter which party you vote for, mm-hmm. you've exercised your right and your responsibility to make your voice heard. Now, for those of us who are quite jaded about voting, uh, wondering whether you know we have a voice at all in our current political system, let me give you a bit of a point of contrast. So I believe it was last March... North Korea actually had their election uh, to elect representatives for their Supreme People's Assembly, it's called. It's the only legislative body in North Korea, and they don't really have any power. I mean, technically they do. With a simple majority, they could even remove Kim Jong-un from power. Would they ever do that? No. But anyway, uh, do you know what the uh, voter turnout rate was there? No. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) The voter turnout rate in North Korea was 99.97%. And they only have one option on the ballot. And the way they do it is this. You come and you cast your ballot with only just one name on it, and you put it in the ballot box with everybody watching you. Uh, You could go to this private booth, if you will, where you can vote. And there, you can, if you want to, grab a red pen that's there and scratch out the name that's on the ballot. But of course, if you were to go into that booth, even though you may or may not scratch that name out, it immediately raises suspicion, and you'll have a visitation from the secret police. And so that is called an election in some countries. Wow. And if you you decided to cross out the name... That could be death as well. Oh, yeah. You would uh, either be executed or be sent to one of those re-education camps, which could be a fate worse than death. And so that, that's what's called an election over there. So if, you are, if you're feeling a little jaded about whether you actually have a voice in this country or not, yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. So important. You, you have that freedom and it's absolutely essential that you exercise that freedom. And as I've been thinking more about this, one of the areas that you know you guys have heard is, as I've done different speaking engagements, I've been encouraging more and more Christians to get involved in politics. For far too long, Christians have really remained idle in the area of politics. You know, of course, there have been faithful people that, that have been involved, but not nearly enough. Uh, and so I've really been encouraging young people, listen, this is something that is good and worthwhile for you to participate in. Whether or not you're doing it as a career or volunteering in this area, it is a privilege that we have 
you know, in a nation where you have the freedom to be involved and you actually do have a vote and you have that freedom to do that. And it's important that we make sure that we continue to have that freedom. And and really, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have this show today and make sure we just talk about the importance of voting. One of the problems that I've heard, and Canadians have said this to me repeatedly, is that most people don't vote because they don't feel that that it's that important. So the people or make a difference, yeah, or make a difference. Yeah. So that those people who are voting tend to be those people who are experiencing, you know, whatever pressures are, are happening at that moment in the political realm. But if you're in your job isn't experiencing those sorts of pressures, then you tend not to get involved. So I was talking with one friend of mine named Mark who's heavily involved politically. But for him, he was a banker. He didn't get involved in politics until a law started coming about that affected banking. And he thought, this law is ridiculous. This is not going to be good for Canada, right? And then all of a sudden, he's getting involved in politics. But I'm telling you, you know, the baker... He doesn't care, right? Because nothing's happening mm-hmm. to his bakery, mm-hmm. you know. But all of a sudden, if if something does start happening to when you know whatever job it is that that you're doing, then all of a sudden you start to care. Now, here's why I'm getting at this: is because at Apologetics Canada, as you guys know, we have been hearing from people for the last number of years who, in their different careers, are on the chopping block, including ourselves, with different hostilities that we've had. And even doing this podcast, you know, within the last couple of years, I began to realize that it's actually pretty dangerous to voice publicly right. your views. And it's, and it's cost me speaking engagements. Uh, and and uh, we've, we've definitely had our fair share of being lambasted on social media. It costs you now as well, possibly in the future, because if people come back and listen to what you said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you, you start to think about this more. Now, there was uh, another pastor during uh, the Nazi regime by the name of Martin Niemöller, and he wrote a famous poem called First They Came. Have either of you heard of this poem? Oh, I think, I, I think I've heard this one before, but read it again for us. Yeah, so here's how the poem goes. First they came for the communist, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the socialist. And I didn't speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist. And I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak out for me. Hmm. And this guy did time in a German concentration camp for voicing his opinions. The reason I bring this up is because, man, the last number of years with what's been going on, particularly in Canada, and I know that these sorts of things have been going on in the United States and Australia and and elsewhere around the world, but we've had friends of ours and we've had people that are friends of the show and whatnot that, you know, have been sharing with us over the years what's been going on in their profession. We've heard from a lot of doctors and Mm -hmm. nurses Mm -hmm. over the years Mm -hmm. whose religious freedom has been challenged and continues to be challenged with different laws that have been passed. And we know of many doctors who wonder, will I be able to be a doctor in the future Mm -hmm. as a Christian? Mm -hmm. You know, will I actually be able to practice medicine? We've heard from lawyers and paralegals that have experienced similar things. There was recently a 
an attestation that was sent to lawyers in Ontario in which they had to sign an attestation saying that they agreed with these specific ideas. And you had one year to sign this thing, and they, they promised you, you know, you wouldn't get disbarred within the first year. But who knows, you know, what would have happened after that. Right. We'll post uh, in the show notes to different articles on this if you'd like to, to look mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. And then I have friends who are police officers, and they wonder, well, how long am I going to be able to be a police officer with the th- sorts of things that are going on, particularly here in Canada? You could imagine that as a government begins to legislate more and more what sort of m- beliefs that you can and can't have, you start to realize that this sort of police state, if you will, starts to have deeper and deeper ramifications. One of those hit us, particularly as churches, when the summer jobs grants attestation came out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in which you had to sign, a spe- again, a specific moral doctrine that you were going to hold to these beliefs. And, and if not, then you weren't going to receive grant money. When this happened, as churches, we, we weren't terribly surprised because we've been experiencing a, a lot of challenges for a number of years, such as here at this church. I mean, we haven't been granted uh, summer job grant money for years. Again, no, no surprise to us there. And then when this attestation came out, we're just like, well, here's you know further challenges. And then for those of you who are un- unfamiliar with this, it was the government says that, it, that the purpose of it was for those organizations that are opposing abortion and not wanting grant money to go to these organizations. But this attestation you know, affects everybody. And one of the things that, that we saw from this is many, many Christian camps not able to run their camps over the summer because they weren't able to get, you know, mm-hmm. uh, weren't able to pay for employees to, to come. And yeah. ultimately, the government had a number of lawsuits launched against them yeah. for this. Yeah. But ag- again, I'm bringing it up because we need to be mindful of what's going on with our friends who are doctors and nurses, Mm -hmm. what's going on with our friends who are lawyers and paralegals, Mm -hmm. what's going on with our friends that are pastors or working in nonprofits, that these sorts of things, you know, are important and that we have the ability to speak up for those people, that we have an ability to make sure that our voice is being heard in the midst of what's happening with them. I bring that up because going back to this quote, you know, then they came, right? You, you know, you, if you see what's going on with other people, you need to speak up because it's not going to be long until it will be coming to whatever it is that you do, whatever profession you have. So more and more we see the government coming into different spheres of our lives, right? So our human and religious freedoms are being encroached upon. Yeah, you mentioned two of them. I mean, that's kind of federally in Canada where that those decisions were made, but there's also provincially ones where in Quebec, Lots. yeah, in Quebec is just a, one example of them uh, limiting uh, religious symbols in workplaces. So you right. can't wear a cross, you can't... And it started even, mainly with Muslims. Yes. Right? Yes. And laws being launched against them. And it's like, well, I'm a Christian, right? Well, it's those Muslims, it's not me. Yeah. Oh, it's coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's Bill 21 in Quebec, right? Uh, that's where right. it was stipulated, basically, that if you're a public servant, then you can't wear religious symbols at a workplace. But you know what's really funny is uh, I remember seeing, um, I think it was Montreal Gazette or something like that. There was an article on Bill 21 
I read some of the comments. I made that fatal mistake because <laughs> it's not good for your soul. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, the comments a lot, a lot of comments from secularists because they were like, "Oh, finally, you know, we can be done away with your superstition, yada yada yada." And so they were celebrating the fact that these religious symbols were being banned in uh, workplaces where public servants work, right? But then I was thinking, that's a little odd, because so many atheists and agnostics that I know complain about how they are oppressed. They're the oppressed minority groups, right? Because they look at, for example, the Congress in the United States. Um, The vast majority of them are Christians, and their voice is not being represented. Well, you could say much the same thing in Canada, and yet here is an incident where, well, they're celebrating, in effect, celebrating these minority groups that are being oppressed, they're not, you know, like it's, it's, you're not forcing it on anyone else. They're just wearing a religious symbol that is important to them. And yet here they are effectively celebrating the oppression of minority groups, which they themselves would say is wrong because it's being done to us. But when it's being done to somebody else, apparently that's fine. Well, here's a great example of this. I was talking with a, a friend of mine who is a lesbian and a professor a uh, professor at a prestigious university. Her and I were talking, and it was interesting because we were talking about how I had been uninvited from this uh, speaking engagement a number of months ago, and it was deemed unsafe. And when we were talking about it, it was interesting because she was basically expressing the same thing. Listen, I've seen this happen with Christians, and you think, oh, yeah, you know, no problem, right? Well, then she gets pulled into the head office, and something that she had said in class— hmm got her deemed as unsafe and made very clear that her job was at risk. And all of a sudden now she started caring about this. That's my point. You know, even if you're not religious, you should care about this because when freedoms are being taken away, it won't be long until it's your freedoms that are being taken away or you're the one being deemed unsafe. So it's interesting to me, particularly as I talk to different professors, There's a lot of professors right now that are quite concerned for the university, where students have a lot more control than than anyone else that's going on there, and they feel unsafe being there. It's interesting what we've got going on here in our culture, and and as I think about it more and more, you know, maybe this is kind of a a culmination of what I'm trying to say in this podcast, is I I really feel like Viktor Frankl nailed this, and I shared this with the, you know, I shared this at the Apologetics Conference last year where here's a guy who survived the Nazi internment camps. You know, his wife didn't. He went through an absolute hell of an experience. And as he got through to the end of it, he had a challenge for the United States, which I thought was just fascinating as he ends his book. He says that the United States has it part right. You know, on the East Coast, they've got this Statue of Liberty. But the, the problem is, is that freedom alone isn't necessarily a good thing because Freedom could be used to oppress or to release. Freedom can be used in all sorts of ways. And he says, he says the United States, what they need is on the West Coast, they need another statue, the statue of responsibility. This is the idea that we have a freedom, but you also have the responsibility to exercise that freedom in an appropriate way. And as I think about just the direction that our culture is going these days and And if I were to give any sort of electoral advice or voting advice, it's that we should continually be vigilant to be voting for freedom, whatever that party is. 
and so it was a, fr- a pastor friend of mine who shared this with me, and I thought, I thought, you know what, he's right. You know, when you're looking at who you're going to vote for, I know a lot of people struggle with who they're going to vote for. You really should be looking at, we should be looking at what parties are representing freedom, which parties are representing the, the ideals that we know are going to lead to good society, not just for me, right, mm-hmm. but for us right. as a society that we might flourish together. As people, we have this freedom, and it's really being kind of keyed in on freedom of speech. And anybody that has an alternative view than what's the progressive kind of idea out there, it's labeled hate speech. So you see a lot of this on unsafe, on university campuses especially. Oh, it's happening in our libraries too, whether or not we can rent space to certain people. Right, right. So, I mean, that's, that's huge, this freedom piece. I think uh, Eugene Peterson really nails this when he says, listen, when you start to stifle the freedom, freedom of speech, it just goes underground. And when it goes underground, it just boils until it erupts. That's the sort of ingredients that we've seen historically for violence and some of the horrible moments of our past that we need to be careful not to repeat. If I were just to say, too, one other area that I think that we need to be careful, I know Terry's got one that he's going to bring up here in a moment. I'll bring up one first. I think we need to be really careful right now about environmental issues and climate change that's been going on. Uh, I read an article actually recently by somebody who had gone through communism, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while now, that you know, there's a number of communist countries Pre, I should say previous communist countries that are looking at what's going on in places like Canada, United States, Australia, and going, you better be careful because I, I see what's going on there. And, we've been uh, there. We've, we've been there. <laughs> uh, and so I think, I think we should be so cautious when we see previous communist countries doing the exact opposite of what we're doing and going, we're not going, we're not going back to that. Especially, I think uh, a great example of this would be Hungary. Particularly, in this one article really uh, noted climate change, and I, my attention was really directed to this. Uh, this summer, I was in a lecture being given by a German professor, and I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And basically, his lecture was on the environment and how important the environment is, which, which I agree, the environment is important and don't want to destroy the environment. However, At the end of his lecture, he said, listen, I think that the time for making our case is over. People aren't listening. Basically, just very bluntly just said, we're going to need to force people. Hmm. And, and, you know, always couching it in, this is for their good. They don't know any better. But the time for conversation's over. And I'm listening to this going, oh, my word. That's how every tyrant justifies his, his actions. This is for their good. Right, uh, mm-hmm. as if you know better than anyone else, right? And I mean, the whole point of having a democracy is that people with different opinions can come together, and we can do our best to try to persuade uh, one another towards a better future. But what's the point of something like that? What's the point of democracy if one person just goes, you know what, or a small group of people just go, you know what? Uh, we have to have it our way, so we're just going to force everyone else to do this. Yeah, because clearly I've got it right, mm. and, and all these other people they just don't have it. They just don't have it right. It was interesting because I was talking to somebody after the conference. I go, "Did you hear what he said? Mm. Did, did that concern you?" <laughs> you know, and this one, he's like, 
yeah, I did notice that. That was quite odd. She goes, <laughs> she goes, uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm like, yeah, I'm a lot, <laughs> I'm a lot concerned. Yeah. You know, but th- those are those telltale signs that we need to be more mindful of. Yeah. When we hear those sorts of things going, no, 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 I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Terry, what was one that you wanted to bring? Because I know we've talked yeah, about this. We can talk about this quite briefly, maybe. We're getting uh, long on this podcast. But there's a real disturbing trend that is happening. And it's basically trampling. And I'm using these strong words because I think it's very important that we talk about this and learn about this. Because it's a trampling of parental rights uh-huh. for our kids. And we're seeing this more and more that... Parents are being left out of decisions within the schools of what their children are allowed to do within the school itself. They're, they're not mm-hmm. even acknowledging that the, you know, or uh, telling them what is happening within the school. And that right there is a need to be concerned. Oh, absolutely. I, I've been thinking about this one for a while now. I actually, I actually said to somebody recently, I said, you know, if I was a millennial, Sadly, I'm I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm too old to be a millennial. But if I was, I was thinking to myself, it would sure be a scary world right now to have a child. Yeah, uh, you would be having thoughts that people have not had before, such as, I wonder if my child's going to sue me. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if my child, you know, depending upon what their choices are going to be, if I'm going to be legislated by the state to do specific things, because my child, in essence, will have more authority than I will. And I was just thinking to myself, man, if I was in that situation, would you have a child? Mm-hmm. You know, they, be, they would become just such a liability in a culture in which parental rights have absolutely eroded. Yeah. So, I mean, as a nation, as a whole, Christianity has been forced out of a lot of areas publicly. Mm-hmm. And now it seems to be coming into our private spaces. You know what I mean? Yeah. We should not have the civil government telling us within our private spaces what we should be doing with our children. And we should be allowed to now this bring is, them up the way we'd like. Well, Terry, this is a huge issue for you. I mean, your background, you right. indigenous background. Yeah. And we've been here before, haven't we, Terry? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the government you know, basically said, listen, you indigenous people, you, you, you're not doing it right. That's right. You're just educating savages. So what we're going to do instead, yeah. we're going to We're going to make the decision to teach them what we think they should be taught. We, the state, know how to educate your children better than you do. Right. And we are going to instill in them the civilized ways, right, rather than what you are teaching them, which is kind of barbaric and savage ways. We talked about this before, but man, the last residential school to close was in Mission, and I was in Canada at that time already. I I had no idea it was that recent. I thought wasn't it nineteen ninety six? Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, Terry, yeah. tell tell us yeah. what they did in it, these schools, man. It was actually, I mean, sorry, the last school was in Saskatchewan that was closed. Oh, oh, okay. Correct that. Yeah, I mean, they took the children. I mean, if we're just talking about my mom, took her to a, a residential school. That was 800 kilometers away, the first one. So that distance right there was to take them away from the influence of anything from the parents. So the parents couldn't even come and visit as well, right? So that is just a slight indication of where we've been Mm -hmm. and where this could go. Oh, absolutely. If the government is coming into our homes. Absolutely. And this ripped families apart. Yes. And the Indigenous community is still... Still feeling the effects. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and that's something, by the way, that I think a lot of Canadians really don't appreciate is how deep those wounds are. I mean, you, your children being taken away from you? Yeah. Uh, you don't think that's going to cause a deep and painful wound? Yeah. You know, as, as a culture is trying to heal from that. But listen, if you weren't Indigenous, yeah. well, you know, it wasn't my kids they were taking. Yeah. And it, again, it just comes back to this idea. We need to vote for freedom and we need to stand up for people, even if it's not us that's being oppressed, but it, because you're not being oppressed yet. You have to remember that, but you will. Uh, but we need to stand up for those people, though, whether or not you uh, agree or not, such as perhaps it's a different religion, you know, but we still need to stand up for the, those religious rights, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why when the Trinity Western University's law school case was before the Supreme Court, uh, the interveners, so uh, third parties who joined in the case because they believed that this case had ramifications for their own interests as well, uh, one of the interveners that joined in on the side of the Trinity Western University Law School were these Sikhs. They saw, even though they're not evangelical Christians, even though, in a sense, they're one step removed, they saw that, well, how this ruling is decided will have an impact on their religious freedom as well, right? So I think this is a really good example of what it looks like to step in on behalf of someone else's religious freedom, or any freedom for that matter, because in the end, it's going to impact yours too. There was an interesting decision just at the beginning of October with regards to intervarsity, on many of the campuses down in the United States. Mm-hmm. And the judge actually agreed uh, with InterVarsity and said that the school itself was not consistent with the other groups w- w- that were on the university campuses. So they're allowing them to come back and to form their group on campus, which is kind of a win in, in the sense of religious freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I guess this is a good place for us to end here. Listen, um, the Bible tells us to respect those in authority, uh, and we want to continue to do that. Uh, I think about you know First Timothy, uh, but we also have uh, a responsibility to stand up for injustice, and that's uh, one of our great heritages as Christians. And one of the ways that we're able to do that in a powerful way is with our vote. And so, I want to encourage you get out there. Hope we've inspired you, and that uh, the voter turnout would be would be great uh, as we see that there is a need like never before, for our voices to be heard. I think that should also be coupled with prayer. I think that's an important piece to this, that we are praying for our leaders through our country, whether it's uh, federal, municipal, provincial, all that. So, yeah, get out and vote. Vote and pray. Vote and pray and pray. Let's pray for our leaders, whether you like them or not. Because it's mm. so easy to dehumanize politicians. They're probably one of the easiest peoples to right. dehumanize in our in our culture today yeah. because yeah. it's so easy to reduce them down to their ideas and the policies that they stand for. But they are people. As much as you may dislike Justin Trudeau, Andrew Scheer, or whoever it might be, keep them in your prayers and pray for their well-being. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us, listeners. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and we'll come back next week with more things to think about.